one touch when you're this hungry, when you're this thirsty, one touch changes your life forever. Love has conquered every fear, broke down each wall. There are so many notches in that key to break through. I've made duplicates of the key, and I will give them to anyone who will take one. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Such as I have, give I thee the key to breakthrough. I'm going to focus in on this. I'm going to fast for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to worship for this. I'm going to be in the house of God every night for this. I'm going to press in. I'm going to hunger. I'm going to thirst. I'm going to get desperate. I'm going to get in every line. I'm going to put my feet on the blue line for this one day. More of you. Less of me until it's all of you and none of me. Hello, friends, and welcome to Keys to Breakthrough. I am Dr. Debbie Rich, in case you're tuning in for the first time. And we have been in a series on this podcast or this session, whatever you want to call it, on um, what does it mean to be a river person? What is a river church? And when somebody says, oh, are you in the river? What are they talking about? So we started many weeks ago, in case you haven't been watching, talking about a river person is a person who loves the presence of God and knows how to yield to that presence and can't get enough of that presence. Um, we even talked about what a river does. A river cleanses you. You can play in it and frolic in it. It it answers your thirst. How that uh, David said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. And how when a, a deer is submerged in the river, the enemy can't get his scent unless he gets too close to those earthly banks again. Um, a river person is a person of fire. We haven't really got into that in detail yet, and we will. A river person is a giver. They are a soul winner. They are bold. Um, they have had Holy Ghost downloads, which is what we're talking about right now. And several other things. They believe in living a holy life. They've had a true born-again experience, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Um, but we started really a couple of weeks ago talking about the subject of having a Holy Ghost download, just like your computer has to have a download. And last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was talking about the download I got at the July summer camp meeting, the fire camp meeting of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. And then last week I started teaching. And the last part of that, I started to talk about what happened to an Alaskan pastor who had his own download on the Bering Sea in a little town, coastal town called Nome. And I just made reference to it because when he got so touched, he said he was a third generation Pentecostal preacher who didn't know what Pentecost was until he got touched with revival fire. And so I want to go back to that. I have a lot more to teach on in the next few weeks on what it means to even have a Holy Ghost download. But I felt to stop this week and actually tell you this story about the Gnome Revival because it involves my download. It involves the lady who invited me, her download. It involves the pastor who got touched and about half that town of Gnome. And it's still going on today. So it illustrates the importance of one person getting a download and then how you can affect someone else, how you become a revival carrier, and how um, that's how you become a nation shaker, a water walker, a fire starter. 
And so I want to really tell you this story. It's quite a humorous story. We'll probably have some, uh, uh, you'll probably have some bouts of the Holy Ghost hitting you with joy unspeakable in the middle of this. And um, we're going to be showing you, as I tell this story, you will see in the background some of actual footage, not only of that pastor under the pew, but you will see footage of he and I telling the story several years later in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, at Pastor Frank Bailey's church, because I flew Bill Welch in to tell his story, and we made a video. It's a video we have on our book table that soon I'm going to just make my whole book table available on YouTube, and you can go there and watch it. I don't know that we have it up yet. It's called The Gnome Story. But um, so I'm going to tell you this um, part of this story right now. So as I referred to last week, I'm going to tell you this part again. A lady calls my office. She's a native lady. She said, you know, I originally come from Nome on the Bering Sea. Have you been there? No, I haven't. She said, I've been in one of your meetings in Palmer, which was where my office was in the Matanuska Valley in Alaska. And she said, you've got something that my town needs. She said, my town of Nome, about 3,000 people, has the highest incest, alcoholism, drug addiction, suicide rate in the nation. And she just began to weep and then wail. And I heard myself saying by the Holy Ghost that just erupted on the inside of me, you don't have to say anymore, I'll go. And I said, however, I have to leave tomorrow to hold revival somewhere else. And when I get home, there's only one free week on the calendar. And then I'm booked up for six months. And I feel that we should go now. I, I just feel this by the Holy Ghost. So lady, I don't have time to plan the trip. And this is your burden. Find us people to, to preach to, a place to preach in. See if a pastor wants to hold us, host us and find a place for us to stay. And when I get back, we have to take off the next day. Do you understand me? Yes. It cost me at that time in 1993, I believe $600 to get a plane ticket from Anchorage, which was the town, the city closest to where I lived. And it's the largest city in Alaska. From Anchorage to go to Nome, just for me. And now I'm taking this lady with me. We're up to $1,200. And then I said, uh, ma'am, don't take offense, but I don't know you at all. I don't know if I can flow with you, but I have another lady that goes out with me to the villages. She's part native. She's a prayer warrior. She, she is full of the Holy Ghost. She helps me pray for people in the line. I'm taking her as well. Her name is Jean Thomas. So now we're up to $1,800 to go to a, a town that I've never been to. And so when I got back in town, I called her and said, how's it going? Do you have a place for us to preach? And she literally said, no, I've called every pastor in town, including the Assembly of God pastor. And of course we would start with him because we're Pentecostal. And she said, but everybody said they don't know you and you can't preach there. I said, uh, is there any place else we can preach? Even though it was April, you got to understand that Nome was still frozen in Alaska. Uh, I mean, it's probably still close to zero degrees, snow and ice on the ground. It's not exactly like you meet in a park. I said, do you have any uh, meeting hall that we can rent or whatever? She said, well, 
the native corporation says they have a building that you might be able to use. They don't rent it out often to white people. They will have to meet you first and decide if they will rent it to you. In other words, I have to go spend this money and go and don't even know for sure I'll have a place to preach. That's right. I said, okay. So surely you talk to your friends and your relatives like I asked you to before I left and you got people waiting for us to come that'll come here as preach. And she said, my sister said she might come. One person said she might. Wow, this sounds like a winner. Do you have a place for us to stay? No, there's only one hotel in Nome. It is very expensive and it's book full. So you don't know of any friends or relatives we can stay with? No. <laughs> and I have to, we have to leave that next day. I said, wow, sounds like a winner. And my head was saying, what have you done? Spending $1,800, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. And you don't have a place to preach, people to come hear you preach, uh, or a place to stay. That does not sound too good. But I had to go back to, this is very important. Remember, this, this show is called Keys to Breakthrough. I had to go back to not my head, not the way this thing looks, but I had to go back to the way the Holy Ghost exploded on the inside of me when she first called me. And I knew I was supposed to go and I was supposed to go now. So I said, all right, we're getting on that plane tomorrow. So I had never seen her in person. So we meet at the airport, she, Jean Thomas, and myself. And we were on an airline company. I will not mention they're out of business today anyway. I probably should, And I know why they're out of business. There were like two major Alaskan plane companies at that time besides uh, Alaska Air that has now expanded. And many of you use it. goes all over the world now. And that's a good company. But there was another one. And uh, we were on that one. And we go to the gate and, you know, it's been so many years and these are rough figures, but I think we were supposed to, I think we were supposed to leave at like 4.30 in the afternoon. So, you know, you got to be there at 2.30 in the afternoon. And at four, we have still not boarded. And I would go up to the gate. Yeah, the plane's coming at 4.30. Where's the plane? Yeah, the plane's coming at 5.30. The plane's coming at 6.30. The plane's coming. Nobody ever said there's weather, there's mechanical problems. We can put you in a different one. No, just the plane's coming. It was like some comedy. Well, I mean, it didn't seem too funny at the time, but it does when I look back on it. And by now, we thought we would be in Nome by seven o'clock in the evening, uh, or, or actually much earlier than that, I think. And so we thought we'd be eating dinner there. We are so hungry. Now it's 7.30 and the plane's not there. It's 8 o'clock and the plane's not there. So I said, you know what? We don't even know when it's coming. This is ridiculous sitting here for four hours waiting for a plane. So let's at least go to the restaurant in this airport. We'll probably hear them announce it if it comes. And so we go to the one restaurant I know about. And, and just as I walked in, I saw a man walking by with this plate of nachos. And you know how when you're really hungry, everything looks especially delicious. But those nachos were smothered and about this high, like an Alaska mountain, with not only chips and lettuce and tomato and onions and, 
and um, peppers and 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 chili and sour cream and I know I'm making you hungry and you know now I see what happened to Eve in the garden your eyes hit it first then the smells hit it and it's like I gotta have that so I said to the waitress I would like some of those nachos and she said we don't have any here I look over and I'm watching this man eating them isn't that what he has don't you call him nachos oh yeah but we don't have any here. He got them next door and brought them over here to eat. And I said, oh, I don't know why. All the times I've come in and out of this airport, I've never noticed a restaurant next door. It must be new. Okay, we'll go next door and get them. Thank you. And the three of us ladies go to walk in this restaurant. And the first thing I notice is, boy, it's dark in there. Why do they keep, this is a long time ago before everything, including churches, have the nightclub scene. Look. And uh, so I'm like, why is it so dark in there? And I thought, huh, people, there's a bar in there. But I, you know, I was used to some sports bars, Applebee's, whatever. And then my friend Jean goes, uh, look at the sign. And I look up and it says cheers. And I went, oh, my goodness, that's what she's talking about. Not a restaurant next door. It's a bar next door. Not even a sports bar, just a bar bar. And we burst out laughing. I turned around and said, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe I almost walked in a bar. Now, you got to understand, this Pentecostal girl got saved when I was three years old, filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 12. And um, I can't say I've never tasted alcohol. I have on a couple of occasions. Um, but to, to be a minister of the, I mean, many years ago as a teenager, tasting at once, getting before the Lord and repenting. And, and to think the idea of walking into a bar or even drinking alcohol was so foreign to me, let alone as a minister of the gospel. I was in so much shock that I burst out laughing and just kind of spun in my heels, walked out and said, oh, I hope nobody saw me about to go in there. And when I did, people, I know I have to be careful with this because people hear anything you say and take it as carte blanche for them to do anything. This is the only time in my life this has happened. And if you've ever had a problem with alcohol or ever gone to bars, I would not do this even if I thought I heard from the Holy Ghost. But I do not have a problem with alcohol. I do not drink alcohol. And I heard that still small voice on the inside say, I want you to go in here tonight. And I thought, what? I must be losing it. And so I turned to my friend Jean Thomas, who's lived a godly life all of her life, and never drank or never been in a bar. I said, Jean, you're not going to believe what I believe the Holy Ghost just spoke to me. And she said, let me pray. And she said, no, I, I believe we are supposed to. And so the three of us go into a bar and there is no place to sit at a table. They're all full. There are only three stools left right up to the bar in a row people on this end people on that end and three stools right in the middle that are not that are not taken and so we sit up on it and I'm thinking I can't believe I'm sitting on a bar stool and while we're waiting for the waitress to come I said you know ladies I can feel in my spirit that even though right now it looks like we don't have a place to preach people to come here or a place to stay this we're about to have an explosion in Nome. We're about to have a suddenly. I know the Holy Ghost and I can feel this. And the minute I said that, 
I had a suddenly, now we're going to be reading Acts 2 in this series, and but it talks about suddenly. God likes suddenlies. He's not into gradualies. People are into gradualies because they don't like change. They like comfortable ruts. They don't like surprises. They like to be in control. But God loves suddenly so he can pass our head and get straight to our heart. Suddenly, I was so, I was getting a new, fresh Holy Ghost download. And I was suddenly chug-a-lugging, drunk in the Holy Ghost, sitting up at that bar stool. And I am laughing so hard with no notice that this is going to happen to me. Tears are running. And I'm spinning on the stool. And the minute this happens to me, it hits my friend Jean Thomas, who always flows in the Holy Ghost and has the most contagious laugh of anybody in the world. Hits her. And then it hit my new friend, Bessie Myers, that I had never known before. And the three of us are instantly drunk in the Holy Ghost up at, on these stools. The waitress, I prefer to call her a waitress, but let's be honest. She was not a waitress. She was a bartender. <laughs> she shows up at the counter and she goes, hmm. No more alcohol for you. She said, I can see you're having too much fun already. And that made me laugh even harder. And I'm trying to say between fits of explosive laughter, I don't drink alcohol. I have had no alcohol. This is what, this is how I live in the presence of God. In fact, I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm in blue jeans and a t-shirt, which I know most ministers dress like that anymore, but that was back in the day. They did not. And uh, But I'm in an airport. I'm not in a church service. And here I am in tennis shoes, blue jeans, T-shirt, and I'm going, I'm a minister of the gospel. And then being female, too, I'm sure she thought, right, you are. So sure enough, she goes, yeah, me too. Now, what do you want? And I said, no, I'm a real minister of the gospel. And I start to take, I had a big purse on me. And I started to take tapes of my testimony out of my purse and said, no, lady, you need to listen to this. I've just been through so much. Just months ago, my husband walked off with another woman, left me with three kids. And um, and and my heart was broken. I had been betrayed. I had been abused by him, first of all, for 18 years. And God reached where no psychiatrist can reach, where the hand of man cannot go, where no doctor, no surgeon's knife can go. God reached in and did what nobody can do. And I'm laughing and crying, giving her my testimony. Now she's starting to cry. You see her eyes all tearing up. And she's like, really? I just thought you were drunk on alcohol. No, this is not that. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Anyway, I suddenly became aware that this noisy bar at the airport had gotten very quiet. And I literally spun around on my stool and saw all the people. It was a full bar sitting there staring at me. They're all listening to this testimony. And they got their drink in their hand. And I could tell they're looking at me and looking back at their drink and then looking at each other like, we are paying to get the way that woman is. It's not working. She says she's had no alcohol and she's the way we want to be, doused in joy and more aware of another realm than this realm. Uh, maybe we ought to listen to her. Now, I wouldn't have to tell you this part, but I'm very open and very transparent as most of you know. 
I am ashamed to say, this was 1993, so ashamed to say I did not give an alder call. I would do that in a minute today. I was not nearly as bold yet as I am today, but they heard the whole gospel message and I went around the tables passing out my testimony. And I still got to believe some of that seed took effect. Eventually we got our nachos. I didn't even care anymore because I knew that's why God sent us in there. But pretty much I thought I had recovered. We go back to the gate and now the plane still hasn't come. The plane's coming. The plane's coming. And people are so irate. Now they've been waiting like five hours with no explanation. So they're cussing that poor lady out of the gate like, like it's her fault. And I'm just sitting here watching this. And I don't know why. When you are doused in a Holy Ghost download and you're watching people so in the flesh, it just becomes even funnier. Like, look at this explosion of carnality. Are these temper tantrums getting them anywhere? Is it getting them to gnome faster? Is it making them feel better that they're making this lady feel bad? So I'm just watching all this. And I say to my friends again, I don't know what God's going to do in Nome, but I can tell it's going to be explosive. And the minute I said that again, the Holy Ghost fell on me for the second time that night. And I am so drunk in the Holy Ghost. I am laughing and crying and sitting at my seat, bent over, holding my stomach. The lady leaves her place at the gate. I'm sure she didn't mind doing that since she's standing there getting abused by everybody and cussed out. But she comes over to where I'm sitting and she says the exact phrase the bartender used. So it made it 10 times funnier. She goes, aren't we having too much fun already? And that made me laugh harder. She said, uh, I'm sorry, lady, you can't have any alcohol on the plane. I don't even know whether we should let you get on the plane since you're obviously drunk. And I laughed harder and I said, no. This is not what you think, but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And I go on for the second time that night, preaching the gospel out of Acts chapter two, explaining I'm not drunk on what you think. This is the presence of God. He healed me up of my broken heart. Here, lady, have a tape of my testimony. I should be in a mental hospital the way I was abused for 18 years. But instead, I have joy unspeakable. I've received a Holy Ghost download. Now I see her starting to cry. She takes the tape. I look up all these people who've been cussing and mad are all listening at the gate. Like, like a couple hundred people that are about ready to get on a plane. They're all listening to me. So I walk around and I pass out tapes. I know. Just think I could have had a second alder call that night but that will never happen again. I mean, not getting an alder call. Eventually, believe it or not, that plane came, <laughs> eventually. And uh, when it did, we eventually get on the plane. Now, you know how many planes I have been on that um, this has never happened. But when you're drunk in the Holy Ghost, the most common things become hysterical. First of all, it struck me so funny that when she's going through all of her rules, she goes, I can't even believe I'm telling you this because it probably won't be funny to you unless we all get drunk in the Holy Ghost again. There are two exit rows, two, two, two exit rows. I thought, well, thank God there aren't 11. What would she do? Go 
And I am just losing it every time she went two. I thought we got that right now, uh, two. And then she says, now we will be flying at a range. We will be flying at an altitude of 34,000 feet over the Alaskan range of mountains, which happen to be the tallest mountains in the North American hemisphere. And Mount Denali, that used to be called McKinley, Denali is the second highest mountain in the world, the highest in the North American hemisphere, and it's actually higher than Everett, which is Everest, that is rate number one, because Everest starts at higher elevation, you know, in Nepal. Alaska, the Alaska mountains start at sea level. So really from top to bottom, it's the highest mountain in the world. And she says this, we will be flying over that. But in the event of, in the event of an emergency, you have a safety cushion. And that sent me over the edge. I was getting a visual of, I am flying, <laughs> I am I'm knocked out of my plane as it's plunging down to earth. We're flying into the highest mountain in the world, but no problem. I have a safety cushion. <laughs> and that, I just lost it. Because right before she said that, I had said to my friends once again, trying to get my seatbelt on, and I could not because I was laughing so hard. And I said, oh my goodness, you guys, I don't know what's about to happen in Nome, but I can tell it's going to be good, like beyond anything I've known. I could just feel it. And I said, we're about to have a suddenly. And when I said that, I was hit with a suddenly. So I couldn't get my safety belt on. And then she's doing her, we have a safety cushion. By now I'm gone. So I am falling out of my seat. And she stops all of her illustrations. And we really needed those illustrations because don't we need to hear 5,000 times every time we get on a plane? This is your seatbelt. You pull the clamp like this. And so I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't hear that again. But anyway, sorry, just extra little freebie there. Um, so she comes over to where I am and she literally says, so it's the third time I've heard this within a few hours. She says, aren't we having too much fun already? She said, and I thought this is the third time I've heard this. I've heard this in the bar. I've heard it at the gate. And now she says, aren't we already having too much fun? No more alcohol for you. You are so drunk. You don't get anything else. And I said, I don't want any alcohol. I've had no alcohol. And I'm saying this in between shrieks of laughter. I'm trying to apologize for disturbing those important safety things that we have only heard 50 billion times now. Please, I apologize. I'm sorry, ma'am. This is the presence of God on me. And I was abused for 18 years. I should be in a mental hospital. Then my husband went out the door with my best friend. But then I got desperate and God came in and he's done this. And these are the suddenlies of God. This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Here I had a few tapes left. Here is my tape. Here is my life's testimony. I wanted to say it looks like you could use some joy. You might want to start right now, but I didn't say that. And all of a sudden I'm aware this noisy plane is very quiet. They weren't even that quiet when they were supposed to be listening to the safety rules. So I turn around to see 200 and some people all sitting here listening to me like this. And I started passing more tapes out to them. 
I could have had a third altar call before I even got to my revival meeting. But again, I'm believing that some of those people came to Jesus just from sharing the word, giving him my, my tape. But I've had three suddenlies, three Holy Ghost downloads just at the airport and getting on the plane. I haven't got to my meeting yet because my friends, you can live this way. I have had more fun in airports and in airplanes and in restaurants and in taxis and in hotels. So drunk of the Holy Ghost, I can't get in my room just as much or more so than I've had in meetings. Because when you get Holy Ghost downloads and you know that you can live this way, that the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you and you can yield at any time, you talk about a Holy Ghost adventure that makes life so much fun day and night. And guess what? I don't care. This is a podcast and I'm going to be very informal. Um, well, a live podcast sort of because you're watching me visually. It's a, what do you call those visual ones? A V, what is it? There's a name for it. I've seen it before. A podcast. No, I don't think that's right. I'm just making it my own language. But because when I went to do this one, I was going to look at my watch and see what time it is. And I never did. I've got to ask my assistant how long I've been going. Um, 30 minutes. Good. Because I was, my plan was to get into the pastor's download. But it took 30 minutes to tell you about my download, which I was able to pass off not only to people in a bar, people in, at the gate in an airport, people on an airplane. But now because I have had a download, I am able to take it to a church, to a town, to a pastor that continued his own download. And that church took it into the surrounding villages around Nome, all around the Bering Sea. And it has continued to spread and spread and spread. So you don't get a download just for your own goosebumps. You can only give out what you have received. Peter and John said, such as I have, give I thee. Not such as my pastor has, such as my Sunday school teacher has, but what I have is what I'm going to give you. So next week we will get into what I was able to take there and, um, and what I was able to give him and what he was able to keep on giving out because it is an incredible story as well. And then we'll get back to some more teaching. So you're receiving some keys to breakthrough. First of all, be led by the Holy Ghost, even if he tells you to go into an unusual place and um, be sensitive to him. Don't just get caught up in everybody's cussing out the person at the gate. I'm late too. Maybe I don't cuss, but I'm going to sit here grouchy. No, you can, you can tune into the Holy Ghost and yield to him at any time. Lord, while they're mad, my plane is late too, but it's not going to do any good to get in the flesh. Lord, I love your presence and I can feel I'm on a Holy Ghost mission. And I ask you for a suddenly right now, even as you finish listening to this, just ask him right now for your own suddenly. God, let me live in what Debbie is living in. I need more of you. And I want to live in this every day, not just once a year at some special meeting. I want to learn to live in your presence in Jesus name. Amen.